A reading from the book of Genesis. Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his children because he was the son of his old age. And he had made him a long robe with sleeves. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from a distance, and before he came near to them, they conspired to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we shall say that a wild animal has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he delivered him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but lay no hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off his robe, stripped him of his robe, the long robe with sleeves that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty, there was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels carrying gum, balm, and resin on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When some Midianite traders passed by, they drew Joseph up, lifting him up out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Remember the marvels the Lord has done. Remember the marvels the Lord has done. When God summoned famine against the land, and broke every staff of bread. He had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Remember the marvels the Lord has done. His feet were hurt with fetters, his neck was put in a collar of iron, until what he had said came to pass, 
The word of the Lord kept testing him. Remember the marvels the Lord has done. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people set him free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions. Remember the marvels the Lord has done. And praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Glory and praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. God loved the world so much, he gave us his only Son, that all who believe in him might have eternal life. Glory and praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus entered the temple, and as he was teaching, the chief priests and the Pharisees came to him. Jesus said to them, Listen to a parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, The heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? The chief priests and the Pharisees said to Jesus, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, 
the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests of the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. Gospel of the Lord. Just a reminder of our Friday practice that as of 6 p.m., the Blessed Sacrament will be exposed in the monstrance on the altar for adoration for one hour where our principal intention for our adoration times during this season of Lent is for the continued growth and renewal of our parish community in faith and in Christ. And then at 7 p.m., the Stations of the Cross will take place, and that will be led by members of our own community in the various groups and ministries, and conclude with benediction of the Blessed Sacrament every Friday during Lent. The other thing I wanted to draw to your attention is that tomorrow our own local parish council of the Catholic Women's League is going to be hosting the spring regional meeting where delegates will be coming from all across the southern tier of the diocese in order to spend the day in reflection and reports and discussions. That will begin with the celebration of Mass at 9 a.m., and anybody is most welcome to attend the Mass. Again, that is at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. Jesus tells one of his most pointed parables where it should be obvious to anyone that he is referring to himself as the one who has come even though all the others before him have been rejected, but he too is going to be rejected. And um, in the process, there is an unspoken allusion to a figure like Joseph, whom we hear of in our first reading, who was himself favored son and persecuted, they didn't quite manage to kill him, although they certainly were considering doing so. But in the end, of course, as we know from the story of Joseph, there was great vindication. The Lord, in fact, had all of this in mind all along for Joseph to be sent down to Egypt, even though he was in chains and was persecuted, because ultimately he was going to be the instrument through whom the wisdom of God would rescue and save the people of Egypt from famine and indeed would bring the entire people of God down to be saved from famine and live in Egypt as they did for quite a long time thereafter. All of that said, I find myself drawing more links with yesterday's gospel which was from St. Luke, not from St. Matthew, 
And as you will recall, that was the parable Jesus told about the rich man who ignored the beggar at his feet. And it was the beggar, Lazarus, who ends up in the bosom of Abraham, and the rich man loses his riches on which he had depended so totally. Why do I find myself drawing links between these two gospel passages? I think part of the reason is because once again we have a story where Jesus invokes violation, flagrant violation of the law by which the people were to live. Why exactly was their outrage among the Pharisees and the scribes and the chief priests as they heard the story that Jesus told? It wasn't simply because the son of the landowner was ultimately killed. That was only the climax of the story as far as they were concerned. They were already beginning to have their blood boil at the very notion that a landowner would lease his land out to tenants and that they would refuse to give the appropriate, dictated by the law, share of the tenancy to the landowner when reckoning time came. They didn't particularly care that the slaves were themselves beaten and killed. They simply were outraged that the law was being disobeyed. Just like the rich man was himself violating the law of God by feasting sumptuously every day with no concern whatsoever beyond the end of his own nose or mouth, I guess. And so in the same way, Jesus is playing on his opponent's tenacious grasp on what the old law had to say in order to reveal, in stark terms, just how little they are even themselves attending to it. Much less yet are they allowing themselves to be broken open by God to a new revelation. Much less yet are they allowing themselves to be stretched to realize that God is doing more and more beautiful and wonderful things they're not even faithful to their own understanding of the law, let alone God's much broader understanding of it. And that, of course, reveals the tremendous danger which all of us can fall into of having a life that becomes narrower and narrower and narrower. We think we're doing the right thing because we've decided that we are, but in fact, if we were very honest, we would realize we aren't even following what we think is right, let alone what God thinks is right. We've actually reduced it right down to our own whims that are ever-changing. And the evil one has been yearning to accomplish that. What did we hear on the first Sunday of Lent? In effect, what his temptations to Jesus amounted to was, don't think about God for the moment. Think about yourself. Think about your own needs. Think about your own desires. Think about proving yourself to yourself. 
Let it be all about you. Don't let it be all about God. We know that it must be all about God and his will, or we are sure to fail. So, Lord, save us from our inclination to go into ourselves in all of the most unhealthy ways. Help us to recognize that you have come on this earth, the one who has saved us and redeemed us by your blood, in order to bring us out of ourselves and therefore to the fullness of what we were meant to be, true sons and daughters of the Lord who obey his will and live by his will here on this earth in order to rejoice and to celebrate in the rich glory of resurrection life. Bear in mind one other thing. Remember how that story of the rich man and so on ended. That Abraham shook his head and said, the five brothers you've left behind will not believe even if someone comes back from the dead. Jesus was well aware that even his dying and rising would not turn hearts, not unless they were ready to be turned. And so, Lord, make our hearts open and ready to conversion, conversion to the glory that you have in mind, the glory that you have shown on the face of Christ Jesus, our risen Lord.